To get more out of this podcast, head over to Nebula, the creator-owned streaming service where you can get more episodes ad-free and earlier than everybody else, plus bonus content and exclusive series by myself and more than 130 other top-tier educational creators, many of whom I've interviewed on this podcast. You can sign up for Nebula by clicking on the link in the description or go to nebula.tv slash conversations with Joe. You can sign up for Nebula by clicking on the link in the description or go to nebula.tv slash conversations with Joe. It not only helps support the podcast, it furthers our mission of building a platform that focuses on content that matters. What if one of the Spider-Verses is literally just like an office worker and they just happen to also have spider powers and they're like, I got these, but like, no way yeah. am I going to use them. <laughs> just like just because just I have this doesn't mean I have to be a hero, right? Ugh, I'm gonna. I really look. My CPA career is enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody, this is the eleventh episode of the podcast, and that means nothing there's there's nothing special about the 11th except that today's guest is the one and only trace dominguez now if you don't know who trace is first of all i'd be really surprised he's been doing this for far longer than i have but uh yeah he's one of the original like og science communicators on youtube uh you might have seen him back in the day on seeker or d news he's worked with the discovery channel and of course there's his own channel uno dose of trace clever wordplay there uh i met trace in person about nine ten months ago on a on a thing that we we talk about at the end of the the podcast but um i was really excited to get to meet him because honestly he was one of the people that kind of inspired me back in the day you know he was he was doing this thing that that i wanted to do and and then i got to do it and then we met in person and sure enough we kind of hit it off and now i consider him a friend and it's really cool it doesn't get much cooler than that uh, but I wanted to get him on here just because we had some really fun conversations. I knew it would be a, a great time. Uh, plus, I just wanted to catch up on things because, you know, it's been a while. Um, so this might be the most conversation <laughs> conversation so far. Uh, what you're about to hear really is just two guys just shooting the ish. And uh, it goes into all kinds of places. But I guess I guess the, the biggest takeaway, the, 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 the most important part to me is, is when we start talking about um, how everything is interesting if you're curious enough, you know, if you're curious enough to look into it, any subject that either of us have ever done a video on or anything just in life, when you really look into it, no matter how small and seemingly insignificant it might be, once you really dig in, it can get really interesting. Um, I don't know. It kind of made me think of that, that quote from Ted Lasso, you know, be curious, not judgmental, which I think I just said that just to put a Ted Lasso quote in here. Actually, who said that he, it was Walt Whitman. I think that he was quoting. I think it was Walt Whitman. I could be wrong about that. But anyway, uh, this was a fun chat with a fun guy. Uh, not fungus, fun guy, but uh, <laughs> how about I stop making bad puns? And let's just jump right into my conversation with Trace Dominguez. So when you were growing up, did you find other nerds that you like um, ganged up with and became friends with and kind of had your own little circle? Yeah, I think so. We had like our own little weird, quirky. I grew up in a very small town. It was one where, like, we got a new high school one year, my last year in school, and everybody, we went from the long cafeteria tables that, like, folded up with benches mm -hmm. to, like, round ones. And the round ones were so different because then your your little lunchtime clicks had to be much more t tight. You couldn't just, like, expand along a long table. Yeah, yeah. So we had our own little table. It was by the front door of the school in, like, the commons area, which was our cafeteria. But I found I could actually sit at most of the tables. Like most people, our school was actually pretty friendly. You know, the 
quarterback was also in the musical. He wasn't a particularly good singer, but he was yeah. interested and wanted yeah. to be in it. And so it's like, that's kind of cool. Like it was a different than you see in movies. Like, wasn't that an American pie? Except it was lacrosse. It was, which he was, was the lacrosse written, player? Uh, by a guy from Michigan, uh, from the East Great Falls in American that's Pie. That's where it took place. You're right. East, yeah. Grand, East, East Grand Rapids, which is where the guy who wrote it was from. And I think Gerald R. Ford is from. <laughs> Look, if you want some Michigan trivia, I'll, we, welcome Fine, to Finally, trivia, there's a connection between jam. American Pie and Gerald Ford. <laughs> I've been so looking anyway, for I grew that. up in this small town, and yeah, I had my, we had our little nerd friends. My friend Brian, my best friend since I was two, we met while like doing somersaults at a church in downtown DeWitt. <laughs> That's now a brewery, uh, so times have changed. Um, but like the two of us were two years old, we're friends ever since. We were just texting mm -hmm. yesterday, so it's been that's forever. cool. Yeah, and we friends. would go to Star Trek conventions and uh, you know talk about Babylon Five and go to the mall and go to the bookstores and like pull out Star Trek books and read them and stuff because we couldn't always afford to buy them. And like we had our own little nerd group. It was nice. It was really mm -hmm. nice. Of course, we his other best friend. Shane is now like a surgeon uh, and was also like the guy who lettered in academics, played the trumpet and lettered in band, but also lettered in golf, track, swimming. Like he like yeah. anything he tried, he was he lettered in it, which was very, if you think about it, actually like American Pie, very like movie-esque where it's like we got two Star Trek convention nerds and then like another good friend who's just good at every every sport that yeah. he'd ever done. And we were just like, cool, cool, Shane. <laughs> we get to hang out with that guy. Yeah, what's it like? What's it like yeah. to be good at stuff? Well, so when you <laughs> say small town, like how many uh, how many students in your school or how many people in your town? We gra I graduated with 160 people. Um, okay. And so the town, I think, had a few thousand. Yeah. It was a, it's called DeWitt. It's just outside of Lansing and uh, Lansing, Michigan, right in the middle of the capital. I'm pointing at my hand where <laughs> you're supposed to point. And, uh, you know, we literally, when I grew up there, had maybe one traffic light in the town, downtown. And there mm -hmm. was another one that they put out in the township, you know, not really the same thing. And that was out on the highway. And then they built a new highway, so they changed the name of the highway to Old 27. And they had <laughs> New 27. It was a highway that was like a real one. Ugh. Anyway, then we got a McDonald's and everything changed. Was <laughs> that was the beginning of the end. No, it was the beginning of like, yeah, we're cool now. We have a McDonald's, then we mm. got a Burger King. Wow. Then we got so a it was Bob one of those Evans. like suburbs that the city kind of grew out into. And it yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was yeah. just outside of a slightly larger town. Um, and there was like a main road nearby. So we slowly got, uh, you know, for Michigan and Midwest people, we got a mire. It was a big deal. It was a wow. real big deal. Yeah. So in Texas, small town Texas, um it's allsup's allsup's is the uh, convenience store gas station that's in every single small town how do you spell that uh a-l-l-s-u-p apostrophe s allsup's allsup's yeah huh. okay yeah. and they're kind of famous for their uh awful bean burritos <laughs> awful but you just gotta have one you know <laughs> it's been sitting there yeah. in the in the heater for you know two days straight but it's delicious Somehow, yeah. 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 Uh, but no, we didn't have a McDonald's growing up. We had we had three stoplights when what? I was growing up. Wow, big town, but, big place, uh, big place. Well, it's gone down to two. <laughs> 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 the, the, the meth epidemic has taken its toll. Mm, uh, as it does. Yeah. 
but uh yeah so my, my graduating class is 48 okay you're small that is yeah small. but most people when i talk to you, they're like oh i'm from a small town i'm like how many people in your graduating class are always like oh like 300 i'm like no that's that's not yeah that's our not whole school. 150 is pretty close our whole high school was 900 but it grew a lot so like our our class was only 160 mm. and then i think the freshman class was like two and a half like 200 and a half you know like I don't know why I said it that way. It's very weird. But like, <laughs> it was <laughs> two hundred point five. Wait, two hundred, a hundred, three hundred minus no. What's uh, between two hundred and three hundred? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it just it, the town grew a lot. Um, it was mostly like government employees, GM, GM employees mm. or execs, kids. Uh, so like, some people would come to school in like a beat up Toyota that like was all rusty and then someone else would trade in their this is true trade in their like extended cab white dodge 2500 pickup with like diamond plating and the next day would come to school with a motorcycle and be like oh yeah i traded it in i'm just like what is your life <laughs> my first car was a volkswagen vanagon Ooh, top speed is 70 miles an hour if you're redlining it downhill uh-huh. <laughs> but it had air uh, conditioning so similar my first car was a volkswagen beetle nice. a 74 beetle that it could not go in reverse how'd you back out of spots you just had I, to pull through i just had to park in a place where i could yeah go forward when i left it did you ever make that mistake where you're like oh well it's such it. a small car you could just push it oh yeah you guess so you really open that... the door put it in neutral and just like yeah use your foot yeah. I've done that. I've yeah. literally done that. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. I had a Volkswagen Fox as well. It was similar. Oh, those are fun. Idea. It could go in reverse, but it had the reverse gear where you like push down and then like go yeah. to the side. Uh-huh. Yeah. After a while. <laughs> and nobody knew how to reverse. do it because they don't think of that, that Z axis. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, Wait, what? <laughs> push down. And... <laughs> I did I eventually get the, the, the gear replaced. And so it would go in reverse, but I kept the gear. I don't have it here anymore, but it was like stripped, just completely stripped whoa it was oh, it was pretty cool. wild yeah. yeah i bought the fox for 800 bucks 813 and change and that's inclusive every taxes everything mm-hmm. drove that car for almost two years never gave it an oil change like why <laughs> why bother the car was 800 dollars. had wires hanging out of the dashboard where the radio used to be yeah Man, i loved that car no internal lights i had a flashlight hanging from the steering column that i would turn on at night to see if i how fast I was going. Uh-huh. It was in <laughs> kilometers funny. per hour anyway, so it didn't really matter. But man, yeah. I loved that car. Um, I actually did a lot of work on my car, got a new steering wheel. And um, because I was a, you know, 17 year old kid boy that thought he was a little gangsta, I, I like put a, a big speaker box in the back and would listen to rap music and run around and like boom boom and everything That's and great. uh it earned the name basic nugan <laughs> so that was the name of my car was the basic nugan <laughs> i love that <laughs> that's fun my the fox had really nice speakers so someone else had done that and then uh-huh. sold it uh so it had like the muffler that was like chrome and really big and like really uh-huh. like big diameter muffler i burned my leg on it more than i found it useful because <laughs> you like go into the trunk and you're like ah, yeah um it had like the radio wasn't there because i guess it was a nice radio so i replaced it 
of course, with a radio that I had gotten for free from my friend's mom's boyfriend's store, and it was a tape deck uh, that the dial to change the radio had a dial, uh, no presets, no buttons, and then mm. the dial broke, so I pulled open the metal and just twisted the knob that was on the circuit board, and that was the radio that I had. It was a great radio, and I had one cassette tape that I got from Goodwill. Uh, it was just hot, hot, hot. So how you oh. feeling? Hot, hot. Oh hot. yeah. Buster Poindexter. Yeah. Yeah. That was the only, and it was the single. So I really had that and whatever was on the B side, which I think was a remix. <laughs> <laughs> and it got stuck in there. So you couldn't replace it. I could, but I just, that was the only cassette I had at that time. Oh my God. Wow. So I just listened to that a bunch. I eventually got the Weezer green album, uh, sampler cassette. So you only got like one minute of each of the songs. I think it was some oh advertisement. <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> that's even better than recording off the radio and you got like that dj voice that talks until the guy starts singing you're like yeah. shut up i'm trying to listen to this song <laughs> and anybody under the age of 30 is like i know what we've, the, what we've the lost them all talking about <laughs> yeah. a bunch of geezers over here man <laughs> although cassettes have come back even though they sound terrible come back nostalgia yeah I feel like there's a, there's a faster nostalgia curve now than maybe there used to be. Maybe just because things change so much faster now. That's a great that's a great yeah. point. I don't know. I mean, I agree for sure that there people are nostalgic for things that happened like I don't know, ten years ago, fifteen yeah. years ago, which is odd. But you know, whatever. It's kind of nice like... to see the same fashions that I was wearing when I was young, being cool mm -hmm. again. Should have hung know. hung onto those Jenkos. Oh my God, I saw a guy, an image of a guy that's like still rocking the Jinkos and he was just like standing at a bus stop with his, and his pants. I, I think it was Photoshopped because those pants were big, but maybe not. Jinkos were quite large. <laughs> yeah. It's like some 35 year old dude standing at the bus stop in Jinkos. Oh, from like recently? Yeah. Oh, I wow. think it was a, a meme. A meme. It's cute. A meme. Yeah. A little meme. Well, so, okay. Growing up being a nerd uh did you see okay i didn't really have nerd friends i had i had i was such a small town and there weren't really a lot of nerdy people um and i didn't have a lot of friends anyway <laughs> yeah. but which is prime nerd but um Ooh, yeah but like people talk about playing D D growing up and stuff like that sure. like i i never did that we didn't have a comic book store in my town so i didn't really have comics or anything like that i i, I didn't have nerd culture when i was growing up yeah Not i really. did some i think you know but it was still small town midwest which to be clear i think the midwest at least michigan in general i call it the texas of the north it's a big state it thinks it's super important and better than all the states around it it has its own culture it has you know all of these things i think there are very similar kind of attitudes between mm. the two states my like cousins texas, lived yeah. in texas so i was really exposed to a lot of texas's mm. uh culture growing up um, and I found it to be very similar and complimentary. But we had one book, two bookstores at the mall before Barnes and Noble became a thing. Um, and one was a Christian bookstore, and that's where we would get our Star Trek books. And they were like tucked in the corner down by like at the bottom hmm. of one of the shelves. And so like we found nerdy things mm -hmm. where we could. And, you know, it wasn't Christian, like it only sold. I don't know, Bibles. I don't know why you buy a Bible. You can just get one and like hand them right. around everywhere. They're like, yeah. here, have this New Testament. Like, oh, thanks. <laughs> um, you know, like, oh, sure. Free book. Um, but like, 
we we found places to be nerdy. I never really played D and D growing up. My, one of my other best friends, Matt, he loved his older brother. He had an older brother who played D and D, and so we played once. And I thought it was a lot. It was like very complicated to get going. Mm-hmm. You couldn't just like sit down and play D and D for an hour and then go do something else. You had to like commit to. And I don't know, an ADHD kid who was. 13 like i don't have that kind of i can't pay attention for that long so we did a lot more like running around outside imaginary games where we would play up play you know heroes and villains and stuff but we'd make them all up um because we also didn't really have comic book stores or anything Mm -hmm. so we found our own nerdery and it helped that my dad's a nerd he liked computers and stuff so i had a computer when i was 10 or 11 i got my first computer a commodore 64 Mm -hmm. it was cool Mostly I used it to play little music things and, like, play games and things. Mm-hmm. It was cool. It was really fun. But, like, I don't know. I think I was lucky to have other nerdy people, for sure, around. Sure, yeah. And Brian was really into Star Trek, so then I got really into Star Trek. And Matt was really into, like, computers as well, so we had that in common. And his family was all nerdy as well. Like, his parents were copy machine repair people. <laughs> like so they were they were just like a nerdy family they had like geodes and like those wooden uh-huh. trolls that you get at, at like the uh-huh. the nerdy stores with like the rain sticks and stuff oh, and two parrots <laughs> parrots were wild two parrots were the only... everybody else had cats and dogs and i go to matt's house and they had like parrots walking around it was cool i seem to remember we had like a parakeet when i was a kid but like it wasn't any, it wasn't cool or anything. It was just like this bird in the house. And <laughs> just made a lot of noise. Yeah, it just made a lot of noise. And and we had to clean up after it all the time. My Aunt Cindy had an iguana. That was the weirdest. She was from Florida. So there I guess it made sense, but she brought it to <laughs> Michigan once. Well, they just run around out there. No. Yeah, uh, they're everywhere. I went through a reptile phase for a while. Yeah. That's yeah. good that's good nerd. Like good nerd crap. Yeah. Like, did you have a snake? I never had a snake. I had a roommate that had a snake. I had an iguana once. Turtle. Um, I had uh, my favorite ever was a prehensile tail skink. Cool. Fun which, to say. Uh, Solomon Island skink, also known as. <laughs> um, you got all you got all straightened up when you said uh, skinkus Solomonus or whatever. <laughs> uh, but it was actually a really cool lizard. It kind of had this like perma smile on its face. It was just like a goofy looking thing. And, and, uh, it was, it was a sweet little lizard. Um, now on the opposite side, I actually went to like a herpetological convention thing one time and got a Nile monitor lizard. Cool. Uh, it was a beautiful lizard. It was like black with yellow spots, but you know what that means in nature stay away yeah yeah but i bought one and and it was after i bought it that i realized oh these things grow to be like the size of alligators yeah they're big and it was mean as hell too oh like i couldn't pick it up it would bite me and stuff and thankfully i found somebody that would take it but uh that was a terrible decision (laughs) this was this was clearly pre-google be like oh should Mm. i should i go bing this and see if i should take this home (laughs) jeeves what about this <laughs> lizard, Jeeves? Jeeves? Oh, Jeeves. You know, I knew Ask Jeeves wouldn't work when my friend my friend and I Googled, or, well, we didn't Google it. We Jeeves. asked Jeeves <laughs> who put the Glad in Gladiator, and it couldn't tell us the answer. We're like, well, this is going to, this this search engine's not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> who put the Glad in Gladiator? 
Yeah, Hercules, clearly. Okay, why? It's a Disney movie. It's from the. That's the oh. oh, I never Disney saw that movie. Hercules. It's a great Disney movie. Mm. <laughs> Does being in band make you a nerd? Because I was in band. I was in band as well. What'd you play? Trumpet. Trombone. Sub mm. brass section. Even within the brass section, though, we would have had a little fight because trumpets, you know, full of themselves and stuff. Oh my God. You know, uh, to this day, when I tell, especially women, that I played trumpet in high school, I get that all trumpet players are assholes. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay. You're like, I was just a nerd who played the trumpet. I don't yeah. understand all this vitriol. I was like four foot nine. Like, <laughs> the trumpet I mean, was bigger than me. Was it the trumpet or the coronet? We had a lot more coronets. Mm. Than the trumpets. Okay, so starting out, I played cornet. Yeah, and then later, can you I tell had me the, the trumpet, difference? But... The trumpet's a little longer, right? Yeah, I mean, if if you're really trained in your ear, you could probably hear a difference, but I hmm. probably couldn't. Yeah, I played the trombone. Didn't have the one with the thumb key, just the old school, slidey mm. one. Brian, best friend Brian, sat next to me. He played with the thumb key. He had the cool one that he got at a vintage. So you got to get that like. Does that make you Italian to play trombone when you do that? <laughs> the like, hey, but you gotta play the trombone. Like, yeah. Yeah. You gotta work out those wrist muscles to, to to get like really fast, you know? Yeah, you really like I thought, okay, this'll be easy. It's a slide, there's no buttons to remember. And turns out it's actually pretty complicated, but it makes it more fun, I think, because you mm. can kind of wow, you know, and like I oh, don't Yeah. And you can use a wah wah to like do stuff, although then you're like blowing and holding it with your shoulder and like sliding and also wah wahing at the oh, same yeah, time. Yeah. It's really complicated. But I really loved band. I I learned a lot of musical instruments. I played the trombone and band. I tried the baritone for a while. I was mm -hmm. not great at it, but I tried. It was fun. Like a big trumpet, right? Just the same, like, three little buttons. Uh, well, okay, so there's the one that, like, sits in your lap. And then there's yeah. the one that you play on the field, which is, like, just a big trumpet. Like a sousaphone. Like a big yeah. trumpet. Yeah, 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 sousaphone. I yeah. never did marching. We didn't have to do marching to be in band. They changed that requirement, I think, oh, the okay. last year that I was in school. And I was like, look, I've never marched. <laughs> It's been four years. You want me, like a senior who's going to graduate in a semester, you want me to learn how to march. <laughs> I'm good. I'll just skip band this semester and pick it up next time. So I did that. So I was uh, in the jazz band more. Yeah, we didn't have, like, we just had band and it was marching band. And then on the, uh, in the spring, it was uh, concert, whatever. Like, but, but in yeah. the fall, it was, it was marching band. Yeah. Um, the funniest thing to me about marching band is, uh, you can always tell the kids that are in band because they walk in step. Like huh? just walking down the hallway, they'll just like naturally yeah. get in sync, just, you know, subconsciously. Uh, funny. And I, I would notice I, that I, I would do that too. And you got to learn how to, uh, God, how many steps was it between yard lines? I've already forgotten. Twelve. Oh, mm, it's not 12. I like how you say it, you've already forgotten. Like you were doing this last weekend and now you've already forgotten. <laughs> In just 30 years, I totally forgot. <laughs> I can't it's, believe you've yeah. already forgotten this. God. It's incredible. My brain's going. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, it, it served its purpose really well as I got into filmmaking. Yeah. Because I was a, I was a human steady cam. Because that's all what marching is. Like you got to like do the, the heel, the heel toe. Yeah. You know, yeah. so that you're not banging your, your horn against your mouth, you know. Yeah, for sure. You had to be really steady. I never thought about that. It, I never it came in handy later on. I was always in jazz band. We were we had a big enough school, I guess. Maybe the crossover is somewhere around that hundred students per class mark or something. Yeah. But 
we had a big enough school where we had a small jazz band of like 20, 20 to 40, depending on the year. And then the marching band was always like everyone who's in band. And they had like a separate band track for like symphonic that was mm. more like we were talking about where it's marching in the fall. And then in the spring, it would like just be concert band. We never had a string section, though. That's where I was like, ooh, that's yeah. the next bigger school. They got a string section. Wow. Yeah, we, we didn't, didn't have, have any strings either. Everybody was all. It was those like disgusting blowing in them instruments. None of those like fine strings with the spit valves. Yeah, the Suck nasty band hall and then carpet. Blow in there. <laughs> and then, <laughs> you go to the nice school and they're like, and you're like, oh, it's all right. That's the nice school across town, I guess. So we didn't have a string uh, element to our band or, or orchestra or anything like that. But I did learn violin at one point. Ooh, cool. I took violin lessons. Were you good? Okay, I've I've learned how to play three different instruments, and I played them all to the point that I was better than bad, and then I lost interest. Honestly, that's fine. Can you still like? The thing is, I th- I find with musical instruments now that you're an adult and you're not like sitting around playing musical instruments to fill the time. It's mm-hmm. like if you picked up the violin right now, could you pluck out something? You think? Something might come back. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I still got my trumpet and every once in a while yeah. I'll bang it out and I can still play the fight song. See, I'm doing the fingers right there. I, can I still love do it. it. I love yeah. that. That's great. Um, but the violin was earlier. I was probably like um, eight to 12 or so when I played that. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. Uh, and I played piano like, before that. My parents tried to get me to play piano when I was four. I did not take. <laughs> I can play one song. I think I learned it when I was nine. That's the only song I can play, and then I quit. And it's like in the basic beginner's book. It's just a waltz, and that's that's all I can play on the piano. I learned to play the Muppets theme song in high school for fun. That's fun. But I can Wait, never do uh, two The Muppets show tonight? The hell? Like, dun I'm like playing yeah, it on yeah, my yeah. desk. But, yeah. I gotcha. but I can only play one part at a time. I can't play like, dun, dun. Dun, 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 and also the Muppet. I can't do the two-handed yeah. thing. I just can't make my brain work that way, I, I feel like. So, of course, like behind me, I don't know if you can see back here, I got a little guitar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And a lot of people are like, oh, Joe plays guitar. It's like, I have a guitar. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. it's covered with dust. And from time sure. to time, I'll, I know like four or five chords and I can play like, you know, counting crows songs because <laughs> you know? they don't they don't deviate from that um but uh when i was a kid i would learn i i wanted to learn how to play things but i never really got into like music theory yeah or anything because it's yeah, boring right um <laughs> bored me to tears but now i'm like really interested in it. i find it really interesting and like Adam Neely and those guys that like just break down with so um, 12 12 tone you know like they just yeah, yeah. they get into like why this note feels this way and why this combination of notes rises to this, you know, emotional yeah. peak or whatever. It's just like, that's so freaking oh, cool. I you know, that. I agree. It's just like watching music channels. And I'm just like, I am, there's very th- few things that I'm not interested in, but that's one of those where I'm just like, I have no way to conceptualize yeah. what I, when I, so my background, I have a BS in psychology. 
took basically all the psych classes that were offered at my university, even the weird ones like music psychology. Hmm. And if I remember correctly, you can like listen to a song 11 times, according to what I learned in this class. Maybe I'm misremembering, but it's like 11 times. If it's your favorite song, you've probably listened to it like up to 11 times. And then it starts to fall off in favor. Like you've learned enough about it that now oh, okay. it plateaus. Oh. Um, like, you, oh, my God, this is this is super good. Oh, my God, it's great. It's super great. And then it's like, OK, well, now it's it's going to be great for a while. But um we learned all this like psych stuff but we never learned the music side of it we just learned the like experience in the brain mm. and like psych side of it mm -hmm. which was fun so i find all that so interesting i learned a lot of musical instruments even though i played band in high school i played trombone like i said uh i use so in college i worked at a museum and we when you work at a museum wearing a costume of the 1880s soldier um, and just sitting around all day, you have a lot of free time. So I learned the harmonica. I tried to learn the bagpipe. I can get it going, but uh, and oh, the wow. bagpipe only plays seven notes. Like, you'd think it would be really complicated. It's actually pretty easy. Oh, I didn't um, know that. Yeah, and so, like, you can really just play those seven notes, and they just kind of combine in different ways. And if you, like, essentially, like, kind of half-hole the notes, you can make it make weird noises. Um, I learned the fife, which is, like, a woodwind. Mm -hmm. That was my first woodwind. I could play the concertina. I could play like a couple songs on the concertina, which is like a very small accordion. Um, oh, okay. The penny whistle. Because they're all like these historical instruments. Yeah, yeah. And when you're wandering around, a mu so this museum's called Mackinac State Historic Parks. It's in between Michigan's peninsulas. It's on an island. There are no mm -hmm. cars there. Uh, they outlawed them in the 1890s. So it's just horse carriages, bikes, and these like fudge shops and like t-shirt shops and stuff. And I worked at the museum, which is an old fort from the 1780s. <coughs> and we were portraying the 1880s so it's like you know it's fairly peaceful time we're just like soldiers at this fort in northern michigan we don't really like we're not doing war demonstrations or anything mm -hmm. and so you end up with a lot of like free time when there are like, answering questions and so i would just grab a concertina or something and sit around and play music so that the guests knew where i was but also was entertaining myself and I have a pretty good ear for music, so it's been it was really fun to learn all those musical instruments. I can still play some of them. I have a fife here somewhere. I don't know where it is. That's really cool. But it was great. Learned a lot at that job. I really loved it. Um, the, I'm trying to think of the most recently. My wife and I went to Salem last year. Cool. Very cool town. I mean, the part that we saw anyway. But we like went to the House of Seven Gables and. Uh, you know, there did a ghost tour, you know, yeah. I yeah, love oh, ghost tours, it. not necessarily because I think I'm going to see a ghost, but just it's, it's a history tour really is what it is. And, and with a little spooky, little spooky yeah, to it, you it's know, a spooky history tour. My favorite part about that was the, the lady was walking us around and uh, I, wherever we were, she, she asked like, is anybody staying in the whatever hotel? I don't remember the name of it, but that was where we were staying. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> and she was like, me? yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, that's the most haunted building in town. <laughs> is Sleep that good? Is, are you happy about that? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, that night I'm just like, "What's that? What's that noise?" Yeah, that's funny. We did ghost um, tours at the museum a couple times. Like, I loved them. They were really fun because you got to like wear different costumes. Like, uh -huh. 
we would always do 1880s stuff, but during the ghost tours, we would do the whole history of the fort, which went back to the 1780s. So we could wear like 1812 uniforms because they had some battles there in the War of 1812. So it could be like 18, dead 1812 soldiers and telling people the history. Uh, it was really fun. So you were playing really characters or you were just dressed that way? Typically, so day to day, we were just, I was just Trace, yeah. a Western Michigan University psychology student uh, in this uniform. Um, but when we would do special events like that, we could play the characters. Mm. Uh, and I never did theater, really. Um, you know, these were like the closest things that I did to acting. Um, <laughs> acting. Uh, and I was pro probably not great at it, but it was fun. And I, you know, I really enjoyed it. Some of the guys took it really seriously. Like I had a goatee for most of my 20s. You know, people have regrets. And that's one of them. Um, <laughs> and it was fine. But like it wasn't historically accurate to different time periods that we were rep like representing, and so they'd be like, "You shouldn't have that goatee because it wasn't accurate in oh. the 1880s." And I'm like, "Well, I'm still just Trace, though. I thought we were just being me." Like, You're like what about my nipple piercings? Is that <laughs> no? Oh, okay. Joe, don't out my my nip piercings. <laughs> Hell on the whole radio world. I don't actually have nipple piercings. Sorry. Maybe one day. I'm feeling. My that was a joke, crisis. everybody. <laughs> I'm still a nice Midwestern boy. <laughs> no, I got my so first so tattoo, like too, I had to like hide it. <laughs> oh, the thing. I got a tattoo on my back of my left leg, and I was like, "I'm gonna wear pants. I'll wear pants. Grandma will never see it." And then she saw it and oh. didn't care. And I was like, "Oh, okay, cool." Dude, my mom has a tattoo now. Yeah. Yeah. I still yeah. don't. I've never gotten one. I just I've never thought of something that's I think is important enough to etch onto my body, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. I got uh, two Chinese characters on the back of my left leg. Uh left and leg. Um so it says left <laughs> leg on my back. I remember you leg. told me about that, yeah. Yeah. Uh and now I also have the solar system to scale on my right arm. I've thought about other ideas, which would be fun. I worked at TLC for a while before I started doing YouTube. When I worked, I worked at Discovery Channel, mm -hmm. and then at the company they own TLC as well. And I was working on the Ink shows. They have like LA Ink, oh, yeah, New yeah, York yeah, yeah. Ink, Miami Ink. It was like a time on TLC. And this one guy, uh, an artist named Corey, said they asked him, you know, do you regret any of your tattoos? And he said, no. Like, I don't always think all of my tattoos yes barley corn i'm in the middle of a story <laughs> buddy yeah you can't you can't rub on the microphone pal. <laughs> so <laughs> oh cats so Corey was like i don't regret any of my tattoos because they were a time in my life that it was important to me then mm -hmm. and i was like that's that's a good attitude to have i thought that was kind of cool so I don't think it has to be like, oh, I have a tattoo that maybe if you only have one, that's tougher. You know, he had probably dozens, hundreds, who knows? Yeah, yeah. But like if you just have if you have a few, then it's like, oh, yeah, that's when I was 20. This is when I was in you know, my late mm -hmm. 20s. It was a really weird time. So I got that when I thought it was funny at the time. Now I recognize it's not that funny or whatever, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Well, the way my memory is going, I'm, I'm probably going to have to turn into the, like memento and just start yeah. like tattooing. tattooing information onto myself so that i can remember it later on <laughs> on your leg like my name is my name is joe i'm yeah <laughs> i have to wear shorts to know my anniversaries and <laughs> yeah when's your anniversary anniversary um, um left elbow i think yeah <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I, I always lose things because I put them someplace safe and then forget where I put them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I know that. I know that feeling. So I need to then tattoo know. it on myself so that I can find. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Well, um, no, just you were talking about uh, doing the, uh, the the museum stuff. I've, I've always thought that would be really interesting and, and fun. Um, uh, I mean, just kind of like being a. I mean, it's kind of like what we do on on youtube but it's mm -hmm. you know in person and, and people can ask questions and stuff um but it's funny like going back to salem the the ghost tour that we went on she was like really into it and you know uh seemed to really enjoy doing what she did but the guy at the house seven cables was just like he would get up there and this is the kitchen and this is the fireplace and they didn't have you know a hallway like you normally would have because back then they didn't have the heat and the electricity and stuff and and, uh, and then he would just kind of like go sit in the corner oh that's too bad. All right, you want to go to the next room? Okay, this is the next room over here, and you know. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough. I feel like maybe that's why the museum I worked at hired a lot of college students, people with a lot of energy and excitement, and they would only be there two, three years, and they go move on to something else yeah. to keep that energy up. One of the things we learned, so we read this book by Fran <clears throat> Tilden um, that was all about museum interpretation, and I, I hated it. Uh, there's actually a picture of me, like a like an old school with film picture of me that has now been digitized, uh, of reading it where I'm literally asleep with the book over my face and like headphones in, because um, we had to read it for this job. And wow, did I think he was pretentious and thought he knew a lot more than he did. Yes, Barley. Um, but one of the things that he talked about was like interpreting to children, interpreting to adults, which in the museum world, interpreting is like doing what you think of as like docent work where you're talking to people, answering their questions, et cetera. Mm. And he, they said, interpreting to children and adults are essentially the same thing. Um, you don't dumb down information for children. You might have to phrase it slightly differently because they don't have the same vocabulary, but you don't mm -hmm. just be like, yeah, isn't that cool? Like that doesn't, they're smart enough to know what they want to know. And that changed, I think like I, this was, I worked there from 2002 to 2007. So like 20 years ago, I started working there. And learning that, I talked to this kid and they said to get down on your knees and get at eye level to the kid. Because mm -hmm. you're a big, tall, in, imposing figure. So if and there's you go something down about leaning like, down that's kind of condescending. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they said, get on their level, talk to them like they're a, a human and answer their questions. And so I did that once. And I remember to this day, this kid, we had just done a cannon firing. Um, we had to fire the cannon like every hour or whatever. Mm. And this kid sits, like, comes up and says that they have a question. And so I got down on my knee and I looked him in the eye and I said, yeah, what's your question? And he, and she, <laughs> I think it was something like, I would, I just want to, do you, when the cannon go, when you, when the, when you, when you fire the cannon, you fire a real cannonball? And I was like, no, we don't fire a real cannonball. We're just fine, you know. But it was like he had this question that he just needed to figure out how to get out. So it was just being patient. Uh, I think that's very similar to what we do on YouTube today, right? Like mm. we're essentially doing the same thing. We're trying not to make things, you know, if you're, when I do SciComm, I don't make it dumb. I try not to dumb it down. If I'm going to use a bit of jargon, I will define what that word is because not every, I don't want to assume everyone knows what it is because that's mm -hmm. not fair. But it's also like I don't want to assume they don't want to know that word. Like I'm not going to 
not use the word entropy and I'm just going to be like, the universe is filled with chaos. I'm going to be like, well, it's a, technically entropy, which is not really chaos, but it's an interesting idea. And it's more accurately, you know, described with math. So we'll just go with chaos for now. And mm -hmm. it takes longer to say, but people can kind of learn from that and you're not dumbing it down for them. And it's, I don't know, it taught me a lot. I don't think I would be doing YouTube if I hadn't worked at that museum. This podcast episode is brought to you by CuriosityStream. If you're someone like me who likes to find interesting things, you probably like the work of David Attenborough, who's kind of known as Britain's premier science communicator. And you can watch a ton of his stuff on CuriosityStream. Uh, this includes Light on Earth, which is a fascinating documentary about uh, bioluminescence and nature. In other words, how animals and plants create light to communicate and hunt and mate, which is pretty much what nature does, so that's pretty much the extent of it. Um, but uh, that's along with some other documentaries like Ant Mountain, which explores the world of ants, Deep Ocean, which is about life below sea level, miles below sea level, and Hot Tuna, which is not about a spicy tuna sandwich, although that sounds delicious right now. It's about the Atlantic, blue tin, <laughs> the Atlantic bluefin tuna, which is more interesting than it sounds. It's a very interesting documentary. But his documentaries are kind of famous for kind of getting footage that have never been filmed before. So they're all groundbreaking in some way or another. And they're, of course, just one of a handful of thousands of documentary films from some of the best filmmakers from around the world on just about any topic you might have any interest in, science, art, engineering, history, you name it. It's all on CuriosityStream. Even better, when you sign up with CuriosityStream, you get free access to Nebula, the streaming service that I'm a part of, as well as many other of your favorite YouTube uh, creators, where you can watch our videos completely ad-free, along with extended cuts and companion videos and original series, like my series, Mysteries of the Human Body. Nebula is basically a curated list of awesome, smart YouTube content, free of any algorithms or advertising. Seriously, most of the YouTubers that I follow are on there, and, and I, I get to watch their videos with no ads, and I get to see them early because they release them on there before they release them onto YouTube. So yeah, it's, it's a really cool service. And the best part is, you can get Nebula and CuriosityStream for the insanely low price of $14.79 for an entire year. I feel like I've done this sponsorship so many times that it, 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 I think people kind of tune out how insane that is. It's less than 15 bucks for a whole year for two services. I did the math. It comes out to 62 cents per month per service. Just try to find another streaming service that has that kind of deal. It's amazing. You'll never run out of amazing content to watch with that. So yeah, to get all that, just go to curiositystream.com slash joescottpod. Again, that's curiositystream.com slash joescottpod, and you can start the process of wondering why the hell you waited so long to do this in the first place. Look at me guilting you. Sorry about that. Anyway, because science says you got to hear something three times, let's do it one more time. curiositystream.com slash joescottpod. Go check it out, and thanks to CuriosityStream for supporting this podcast. Now, let's get back to Trace. I was going to pivot into that exact direction. Like, do, do you think that having that experience kind of led you down the path where you are now and yeah definitely i think yeah if i hadn't worked there i, I wouldn't do youtube now for sure i don't think you know mm. like <laughs> i say for sure and then i kind of backtrack but i don't i <laughs> absolutely don't maybe yeah exactly maybe perhaps <laughs> i don't know um the i think the youtube world is so similar and it gave this museum work gave me that i don't know you get a taste of talking to people informing them of something they may not have known and you see their faces light up yeah. or they you see them they, they get excited to come and ask you questions or to like come and just talk about it like they don't even have a question they're just like oh what you said about this was so interesting and like can you like mm -hmm. tell me more about it you know you just see people getting excited and that 
you know, that happened with every part of that job because we would cover everything from the 1812 war, like I mentioned, to the 1880s, which is funny because in the 1880s, Mackinac Island National Park existed. It was the second national park in the United States and the only one to not be a national park anymore. Um, <laughs> so it became a national park in 1875. And so then to t we would end up literally talking about like, okay, well, how do national parks get made? And we're not a national park. We were a state park at that point. Became a state park 1895. Still know a lot of this. Stuff. <laughs> yeah, you retained a lot of it. Well, I guess um, when you do it every day for five years. You know? Yeah, yeah. And so it's just like you end up talking about literally all sorts of things. You know, we had original 1873 Springfield rifles that we would fire every day for demonstration. They were original ones from the 1870s uh -huh. all the way into the 1890s. And we had to learn to take them apart and put them back together. So we had people who were like super into gun hobbies. Like they would come and want to talk about it and hold it and be like, oh, I have one of these. It was my grandfather's. And it's mm. like, so you learn about all, it, it was just so exciting and like fulfilling in a way, but there was also a lot of freedom. So I ended up learning about things that I was curious about. Mm -hmm. uh, and really got to dig into my own nerdery and be like, like I did a tour that nobody else did because I wrote it um, about just like the economics of the American fur trade specifically focused around Mackinac Island because it was uh, such a big part of the economics of that area. Mm -hmm. And the tours were always small, um, but people were interested and wanted to know more. So it was fun. It was like. You have to learn about whatever you want. History is uh, an open book. <laughs> and, it, and it changes as, as time goes on. Yeah. Or the interpretation of it changes. You know. Totally. Depending um, on who's telling it. So what you were just talking about, like um, actually seeing people's faces, watching the lights come on in their eyes and being able to interact with them and stuff like uh, that's definitely not something you can do on YouTube. Definitely and yeah. I, I, th I imagine that's amazing. I've, I've never really, I've never really done that. Yeah. Um, well, but sometime that, that seems let's like go to Mackinac great. Island and you can put on a uniform and we'll have you tell people. I, I, I'll take you <laughs> up on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. YouTube, I, I try and conceptualize it differently. Like the commenters, you know, a lot of people don't read their comments and I'm not going to disparage or encourage either way. I like to read my comments to look for those moments to like, pin the comment that has something interesting to say about the video, reply to comments that have interesting questions or are just like complimenting. I'll like reply, thank you, or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, I usually ignore the ones that are mean or I hide them if they're really mean. Mm -hmm. uh, but like, I try and get little tastes of that through the comment section. And it, that makes it even more fun because you can really, I can imagine that they're so, that the people that are so excited, you know, there's someone that wrote like a two, three sentence comment where they're like, oh my gosh. And then what you said, like, you could take it and do this. And like, <clears throat> you could, I could learn that about it. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, you mm -hmm. could, you should do that. That's, that's exactly why I make these videos is to get you excited about doing something even beyond what I just did. Mm -hmm. Hopefully. <laughs> I always, uh, I always tell people that I'm the, I'm the appetizer, not the entree. Like I don't have to, my, my videos don't have to have every detail or specific fact about this topic that I'm covering. It just has to be interesting enough to make other people go look into it more. And Absolutely. then I've done my job, you know? Yes. 100%. When we launched D News in 2012, we read abstracts 
we told stories based on the abstracts and like other people's writings about it, you know, somebody mm -hmm. who had access to the paper because we didn't all the time. Um, and we learned a lot about reading papers and how to like read a scientific paper and what to look for and whatever. But like, I never thought of us as we're telling you what this paper, why this, we're, we're not telling you why this paper is necessarily important or whether this paper is good. We're just like trying to get you to go and read more about what's going on in the world of science. Like when we first launched it, people were like, is there enough stories to tell a science video every day? Cause we were doing video every day. And it was like, yeah, yeah. There is definitely like dozens and dozens of, of scientific papers are published like literally every all day, day every yeah. day. <laughs> you know, like it's crazy. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that at the time, but eventually I was able to be like, yeah, there's more science than we could even cover, and we're making 14 videos a week. <laughs> well, and also, um, there's been a lot of times when I'll I'll find a, a subject and I'll start like doing a video on it, and I realize this is really more like three videos. Mm -hmm. to really cover all the different aspects of it or something, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, there, yeah, think things that uh, I always talk about rabbit holes. I, I was going to ask at some point, if there are any rabbit holes that you've gone out, I like to ask people that. Um, but, but like every, every single, every topic I cover is a rabbit hole. And it's like, there's always a thousand times more stuff involved in it than I thought there was. And, and it's it, almost every single time. It's, it's not a matter of, is there enough to make a video out of? It's like, okay, what do we actually keep in this video? <laughs> yeah. You know, there's all the, there's way too much, always way too much. I, you know, my answer, if you ask me what any rabbit holes I've been down is every video is a rabbit hole, you know, like <laughs> every video that I've ever made. Um, my, I'm going to counter question with my friend, Mary Beth has an amazing first date question uh, that she asks everybody. She goes on a first date with, what are you not curious about at all? Oh, and I okay, yeah, that's a good one. I thought that's a great question that I have since probably asked as many people as she has because <laughs> I <laughs> find it fascinating. And I can't think of an answer. Wow, like I don't, yeah, that's... I don't watch, I don't watch sports. Not, yeah. not really. Like sometimes I love going to, a, I love going to sporting events. I like watching hockey and soccer and stuff. You know, I grew up in the Midwest, so hockey is a big deal there. And like. I grew up playing soccer. I don't know anything about, I don't learn anybody's names really. Mm -hmm. Like I don't know anything about the individuals playing the sports, which I think if I did, maybe I'd like it. And that's the, that's where I'm already getting into the rabbit hole of like, yep, obviously <laughs> I'm curious about this. Cause I acknowledge that there are things that I could learn and probably would like it better. And like, you know, it's just yeah. comes down to committing the time to learning it all. Um, so I don't think there's anything that I couldn't find interesting about anything. Mm -hmm. No. Like the history yeah. of like, people are like, oh, well, why would you want to watch paint dry? And it's like, well, let's talk about the different types of paint and how different <laughs> types of paint dry. <laughs> and like, do you know if those big chunks of like oil on paint in museums are dry? And if they are, how long do they take to dry? Because maybe they took like decades and they were still like mm -hmm. an amorphous solid for a long time. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, like who? Is it still liquid? Who knows? It's so cool. Like literally there's nothing that's not interesting. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I like every, everything like you mentioned sports. I'm not particularly interested in sports. I don't really follow it that much, but I can see why, um, uh, you know, people really get in like in baseball, people really get into the stats and, mm -hmm. and, um, and if you really understand the nuances of the different moves or whatever, like, you know, there, there are people I know they're like really into boxing. They call it the sweet yeah. science, you know, because there's like all these different 
I'm not even going to try to put words to it, but you know, <laughs> if, if you're into something, you can find enough interest in it to, to make it interesting. Yeah, um, absolutely. You got I me mean, thinking about that question. Now. Is there anything I just don't really yeah. gravitate toward? I mean, there's definitely things I'm more interested in than others, but. Right. But if somebody presented you with a topic, right? Like that's where my friend's answer is space. She's just not interested in space <laughs> at all. And I just don't know how to, what to talk. Like, I'm, I just don't, can't comprehend. Yeah. Not necessarily because it's space. It's just, I can't comprehend not being interested at all. Right. If, if, if somebody who, like, I don't actually think boxing is that interesting, but if I bet you somebody you knew who loves boxing came and started talking to me about it, I might still be like, this seems gross because it's just two people punching each other. <laughs> um, but I'd also start to see the nuance of it. And that's what makes, I think, anything interesting is that yeah. there are nuances to basically everything. Yeah. That is an interesting question. That kind of makes you think. Yeah. Yeah. Don't steal it. I want to put it on my podcast. Uh, no, fair enough. But but no, I, I, I like to, I am always just finding something that I'm like, oh, this is interesting and, and getting into it. it might be for a video. It might just be something I ran into, but mm -hmm. I like asking people that question. And it might even be just like, is there a TV show that you're watching right now or a book that you've read that's, you mm -hmm. know, kind of grabbed you? Um, yeah. 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 I mean, I, the world is... Eh. The reason I don't like VR versus AR to start a flame war. Okay. I think AR is the future. I think VR is the far, far future. So the reason I think that is because the world has so much more fidelity than a virtual environment. Mm. Like the further you dig into the reality of everything around us, the more interesting it is, not the less interesting. Whereas VR, the more you dig into it, the less interesting it becomes. Okay. And so it's just like you have to invent all of the all of the layers of vr whereas ar the layers are already there we're just augmenting it we're just making mm -hmm. it more interesting we're adding you know a token economy a, a, a point system on top of the world that already exists we're upping the saturation of the colors you know whatever we're doing yeah. but it's already there we're, we don't have to do we don't have to create we just have to make more interesting make better mm -hmm. so I, I feel like ar will be our first big step into building a a built environment on top of literally everything. Yeah. And yeah. then VR will come someday in a hundred years when we're like, oh, well, the computer that used to fill the size of a warehouse is now fits on our wrist. So we can mm -hmm. literally invent anything we want at, on the fly. And just well, upload ourselves to the metaverse. Yeah, man, let's do it. Now I did, I did a video on the metaverse not too long ago. Uh, and uh, is it so scary? I, <clears throat> I got a quest Oculus. Is it still called Oculus Quest? Or is it Meta Quest now? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I got one during the pandemic because I was like, we're all stuck in our homes. Maybe yeah. the, it was more like a psychological exercise. Like, is yeah. this a way of like escaping and feeling, you sure. know, like I'm getting out of the house or something? Um, and I don't know that I used it enough to really say one way or another, but there's things about it that I find really interesting. And I go through phases. Sometimes I'll pop it on every day and play a game or do a thing. And then I'll just like put it in a drawer and forget about it for a while. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the thing that I talk about in the video is um, how it has that pass through mode. So like if you're outside of the guardian barrier or whatever, and you're just like walking around in your house, like you can see, and it's like very, um, the word i'm looking for like the depth perception is really good like you can literally mm -hmm. just pick up things and it's it's like it's right there it's like it's real oh wow um and so that kind of sold me on the idea of ar like you were talking about like you could literally 
assuming it's better pass through than what we've got on that because it's just kind of like black and white it's like an old tv or something but yeah um but yeah i mean you could put a virtual jukebox on the wall and just go Mm -hmm. like play music or something and right just augment your house with these things i mean the more the more you think about it the more ar becomes interesting Mm -hmm. over the years i've joe i've had like so many jobs over the years (laughs) um like 20 some jobs. I have a whole talk about it that I give to students. It's like, you don't have to decide what you want to do now. Try a bunch of shit. Whatever you don't like, you're going to learn immediately. And that's more valuable than, than thinking you might love this. Like knowing what you don't like is, is, is actually better for you. Cause you're like, Oh, "Oh, I know I don't want to do these things. So that eliminates a whole subset of, of career opportunities Mm -hmm. um, or like career ideas. So I tried all these things. And when I was working with group nine, one of the things we were doing was VR, a lot of it. Like they were, there was a team at Group 9 making VR videos, I think it was like every week, every few days, they tried to release one for a while, mm-hmm. like a week. Um, and like for a year, they tried to release one all the time. And man, they called it, uh, so the guy who really was pushing for it called it an empathy machine, which I agree with. I think if you make a human story, like you can put a VR camera right next to someone's face in a in a way that would make the viewer feel much more empathetic toward them because you're standing close to them in a way that you wouldn't in normal mm. conversation. It's jarring. It's it's exciting in some level. You know, mm. you're like, wow, I'm so close to this person's face, and I don't know them, um, but it also makes you feel for them a little bit. So they made a lot of like those empathetic stories, which were cool, um, but it also lets you you know fly around like a superhero or you know, play games that in places you never could. So it can do a lot of stuff. But AR was always more interesting, I think, because exactly of what you're talking about. Like, it becomes so natural. I feel like it's one of those things where you're using your phone and you're looking at pictures on Instagram and you think of it as reality. Or like people who use Snapchat filters as reality. Like AR will also do that right? Like everyone will look like an anime character if you want them to, or maybe if it communicates with your AR communicates with their AR, if they want to, you know, you Uh are all avatars at that point, but you're still, you're just you. If you lift up your AR glasses, you just see their face, you know, (laughs) but would you want to, right? (laughs) Humans were weird. Actually, it'd be kind of cool if you could, um, if you could put like, TikTok or Snapchat filters over your face. Yeah. To smooth your skin and give your yep. eyes a glow. Just and like regular walking around. Yeah. As long as your AR headset told the other AR headset what to put right. over your face, which let's be honest, not a stretch. No. Not a stretch. I look forward to that because uh, as You'll the years look- go by, I need it more and more. <laughs> be like, is that Henry Cavill? Oh, just, hey, Joe. What's <laughs> <Yeah>. up? <laughs> I'll digitally remove my mustache. <laughs> It's Superman. Why shave? I don't need to. <laughs> My avatar doesn't grow hair. So talking about things that you're not interested in, I, I saw um, John Mulaney, mm-hmm. a comedian. He played yeah. here in Dallas, and I went John with John Mulaney. John Mulaney. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I saw him doing. St- I'm not going to do it. Um, <laughs> so okay, I've always been a fan, right? Yeah. Um, and he, he gets up there and a lot of it was talking about like, you know, the, the drug problems he's had over the last year and whatnot. Sure. And that was, that was funny and enlightening. Um, but at one point he was like, I don't care about science <gasps> yes. at all. 
gasps in science at all. Yeah. <laughs> and and then he goes on and I was going to bring this up and 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 say like are, are there things that you're into and when people talk about them you just you just clinch up because they're saying something wrong. This is what I'm, I'm you'll okay, oh. I'll, make, I'll make sense here in a second. Um he started talking about the space race. Okay. <laughs> and I'm a fan of this guy, right? Yeah. I've, I've loved John Mulaney for years. It just takes you out of the experience immediately. Okay, I'm trying to remember. He was basically like, the Russians put up a dog into space and then yes. never did anything else. No. Right, and I'm just sitting there like, and all these people are like, ha, 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 laughing around me. And I'm like, but that's not, that's not true. That's not, that's not, true, that's not even remotely true. For like 11 years, that was the only way we could even get to the space station was through the Russian... That's not yeah. true. They have cosmonauts. Yeah. They have people. They, they flew the first person. We have a whole yeah. holiday about it on April yeah. 15th. And like, it just took me right out of it. I couldn't even laugh anymore. It was just like, oh man, that's not even funny. You're just saying something that's not true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it'd be one thing if at the end he was like, actually, you know, the Russians have done all this thing, but then it's not funny anymore. And comedians, oh gosh. And he didn't do that. Yeah. I mean, look. If he's not at all interested in science, maybe like, don't talk about it. Then. <laughs> but there are definitely things that people start talking about. So when I first started doing SciComm, I didn't know it was called SciComm. It was just like we were interested in science-y stuff. And I'd mm -hmm. always been interested in science ever since forever. Um, I went to space camp and stuff. And like, we'd go to oh, science you went to space Saturdays. camp. Yeah, it was so I'm fun. Jealous. I would do that the now. The Florida one, not the Alabama one. So that, that one no longer exists. So, you know, use that as you will. Now it's called uh, Camp KSC, though it's still there. I visited for something unrelated, and they're like, come behind this curtain. And it was literally the exact same thing. Like, I saw where I sat when I was 11. Oh, fine. And the, like, bench was still there, and it still said the Venus team on it and stuff. The mission control was the same. They really need to make some updates. Um, <laughs> now, I went to Camp KFC, where we ate a lot of chicken. Yeah, that was delicious. Delicious. Though. <laughs> did you they, they told you five of the herbs and spices but not all of them not all of them yeah you gotta interpret the rest <laughs> um but i learned all these nerdy science things and then when i started doing it i had for the first time i think in my life other adult humans who were like look we can't all be know-it-alls so don't like do we had like frank conversations with each other these other like science producers who were all you know, well on in their careers in comparison to me. And they were talking about how they were at this party and someone was talking about this thing and they had just read so-and-so's story about it. And now they were like, felt like a know-it-all because they'd shut down the conversation mm -hmm. to tell them the the facts or like to say, yeah, oh, well, yeah. actually you've got it. You're the little... actually guy. Yeah. Like, yeah. And nobody <laughs> wants to be the actually guy or the actually gal. Well, actually. Yeah. And so you, I end up just shutting my mouth. There have been mm -hmm. times at parties, you know, sitting around, you know, in a dimly lit room, sitting on a poof. Someone brings up something. <laughs> Paint the picture. Like, I'm going to say nothing. I'm going to say nothing. I'm going to say nothing. They're like, well, what, do you, what about you, Trace? Don't you know science? And I'm like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And be like, well, you're close. Like, you have some of this stuff right, but there's not a lot of facts there. You know, like you're not going to come out of that looking good. So I met this guy once, um, Phil Tippett, lovely man. If you're in Wait. the film industry, he's, uh, yeah. he was the dinosaur supervisor on Jurassic Park. He's big into yeah. 
um, stop motion animation. He is a, uh, a friend of mine, knows him through our work. We're at his workshop and he's, we're going around looking at all the cool stuff he has and he has a lot of cool stuff. Um, and he, and we get to talking about CERN, the Center for European Nuclear Research, which I visited a few times. He wants to make a project that's about it, but it's about like the destroying the planet black hole kind of side um, of it. Uh -huh. um, and he's, you know, he's an artist. He wants to do it from like an art side. And as a science side of things, I was like, well, you know, there are some things, if you have questions, let's talk about it. You know, like I'd be happy to talk about it, but I'm not going to derail his art, even if I disagree with the premise of it, mm -hmm. you know disagree with the premise of like half of Michael Bay's movies that doesn't mean they shouldn't get made like people obviously enjoy them yeah. so it's like what are you going to do yeah he was i still find him fascinating and interesting even if i disagree with that one thing that he wants to make it's not worth it yeah. it's not it's not worth the stress on my end um but you know the LHC is not going to create a black hole they're using very small masses but they are uh, creating parallel universes that change the Fruit of the Loom logo and the Berenstain Bears and yes, uh, absolutely yeah, Quaker and, Oats, you know, all the different Spidermans. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Spiderman. <laughs> what if one of the Spider Verses is literally just like an office worker, and they just happen to also have spider powers, and they're like, "I got these, but like, no way yeah. am I going to use them." <laughs> just like just just because i have this doesn't mean i have to be a hero right Ugh. i'm gonna i really look my cpa career is enough <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in a couple of years i could CPA. make partner <laughs> i would i would read a one book like maybe a two book thread about that and then uh, maybe of course they would have to have a storyline so he would end up becoming a superhero in some way but I actually love that idea of, of like people with superpowers that are just like, I don't, I don't, I'm too tired to be a superhero. Right. That sounds like Why? a responsibility. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, can I just like levitate some cookies over to me or something, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Just like, come on. Um, I actually had an idea for a while about um, a guy who just kind of like wakes up one day and can fly. Cool. And, and part of it is also that he has a fear of heights. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. To make it interesting. Um, but, but also like, you know, he's, of course there's that friend that's like, Oh, you gotta be a superhero. And they like make a cape for him and all this stuff. But he's like, but like, how, how am I going to be a superhero? Like just because you can just... fly doesn't mean that you know when a crime is going down and that's can, right. you know, be there for it or something. That's right. You know, I have so it's like, you have I this love. cool superpower, but you can't do anything with it. Yeah. I have this thing that I love when people get too comic book nerdy around me. And there's no such thing as being too nerdy about anything. But I just love to start like little fights about stuff just to see where it goes. Um, <laughs> you know. And <laughs> I'm going to I'm just going to throw it out there. You cannot have one superpower and be successful. That's that's the thing I like to lob into a conversation. Okay. Yeah. Because it's like Oh, well, so-and-so only has one superpower. And I'm like, do they? Like, name a superhero with one superpower. Because they never have one. They always have more than one. And I'll give you an example. Let's say tomorrow you wake up and fly. If you hit a bug, you're dead because you're not invulnerable. And you're flying. 
at yeah. a fast speed uh-huh. and you run into a wall and you're dead. You crash <laughs> wrong, you're dead. So like you have to have a second superpower to protect you against your first superpower. You have really, you're super strong. That doesn't mean you're invulnerable. You're going to bruise your arms. Like mm-hmm. if you, your skin still has a crushing, like the same amount of crush amount, no matter how strong your muscles are inside yeah, your body. Yeah, like, yeah, Like, you know, so yes, super strong doesn't mean your bones are super strong. Could you literally break your own arm by, by like flexing? Because like you don't have invulnerable bones. Everyone has to have more than one superpower. And then I just watch everybody fight about it. And it's so much fun. And I get in there too. I'm not like a chaos agent, but like it's it's just fun to talk about because most of the time we think of like, what what superpower would you want? And it's like invisibility. And it's like that one you could have is just one, but it depends what you want to do with it. Like you're not mm-hmm. quiet. You're still yourself. You can't see your feet. Are you really good with walking around with your eyes closed? Because that's basically what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. You don't know where your feet are. If you're invisible, you like- Grabbing things proprioception is that what it's i always pronounce it wrong but it's the it's so we did a podcast once you don't have five senses you have way more and one of them is i think it's called proprioception i'd have to look up the pronunciation anyway it's knowing where your body is in 3d space Mm -hmm. so like you know where your arm is without looking for it but if it were invisible would you know where it is all the time Mm -hmm. you know i don't know yeah i don't know like trying to grab something (laughs) where's your arm right now joe do you know where your foot is so there's another uh idea that i've been playing with and the basic basic conceit is that somebody gets their brain transplanted into a donor body cool yeah and so uh and maybe this is a function of me being on youtube and like talking about sciencey stuff for long enough but now it's like i'm like super interested in how that would work and like how medically it could be made possible. And then like, once you get into the other body, like, do you have to relearn the entire body? Is it like learning how to ride mm. a bike all over again or something? Like, right. do you have to like wire your brain so that like, would the, would the pathways be the same in your brain yeah. to control the different parts of your body and cool. stuff, you know? Yeah, that's cool. I like that. I mean, they're mm-hmm. trying to do this. I think it's an Italian guy's trying to do a, Caravaggio? No, no, no. That's an artist. (laughs) They're calling it like a head transplant, but it's really a body transplant, unless you think of the body as the real part of the human, like an Egyptian style, right? Mm -hmm. But it's really a body transplant. But they're calling it a head transplant. Um, They've been talking about that for a few years now. I haven't heard anything lately. Yeah. I don't don't know if they're ever going to get there. Yeah. I I know there was one guy that was like signed up for it because he had this body... I don't know. He was Like a disorder. Yeah. 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 I, I mean... Look, be weird, be weird. I used to, I read this book called Bill the Intergalactic Hero. I think it's by Harry Harrison, old sci-fi book. And he gets his arm blown off. He's an idiot uh, is the premise of the book. He's an idiot, but he's also somehow a hero. Uh He gets his arm blown off and his best friend is also in the same explosion, but his best friend's arm is salvageable. So he has two right arms. And I always thought that would be really weird. And one of them's black. One of his right arms is black. (laughs) <laughs> and every time he salutes because he's in the military in this like future world he salutes with both hands because they're both his right hand you're supposed to salute with your right hand because he's an idiot funny. so he sal- it's it's a funny and dumb book series but it's it's fun to think about like what would you do if you had two right hands you know like uh-huh. it'd be your thumb would be sticking okay wait so so does does he have a right arm attached to his left yes. shoulder his left it's shoulder not like he has, has two right arms arm on one side attached to it okay yeah so he has two right arms which means, does his elbow bend 
So you could say he's all right. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) You could. Arrested development joke. He's going to be all right. Well, he lost (laughs) his left hand, so he's going to be all right. All right. Yeah. That's right. He will be. What a weird, what a weird book series. But it would be funny to think about, like, how do you, I like the idea of what you're saying about your brain is wired for your body. And so if I drop into a different body, do I have to learn, like, is my wiring in my brain a little different? Like when you jump into a new car and the brakes are touchier and you're like, oh God. So you're like trying to walk and you're like, whoa, man. Thigh muscles on this right. one. Really, they're really, they're really buff. <laughs> Gotta walk, watch out when I walk. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, like, if you if you think about like, just reaching out and grabbing the coffee cup, mm-hmm. you know, all the different muscles you got to flex in just the right way, and mm-hmm. and you gotta, you and know, you know, position the, the hand just of your right, own arm, right, you know? and and how hard to squeeze, and I mean. I'm yeah. sure people working on robotics and prosthetic arms and stuff yeah. like have to think about think that about kind that of stuff a lot, time. but um, there's a lot that goes into it. And and I think that, you know, plasticity and everything, I think it could be rewired, but it wouldn't be easy. Yeah. You'd be working on that for a while. Makes me think of Altered Carbon. <clears throat> Did you watch that? Oh, I saw like it? one episode of it. I need to, I've heard yeah, good things. That's the concept, right? Is like, I can go into a new body just with this mm-hmm. bit of technology. And so it's like, there's there, in that there's no doesn't seem to be like a learning period, but it's also, you know, this, I don't know how to say deuce, deuce ex machina. Deus ex machina. That's it. Yeah. I always I say deus. But... I don't know how to say <laughs> it. Um, but like they need, they need to be able to drop in and just do whatever they want to do. For narrative reasons. Be, yeah. For narrative reasons. Yeah. It'd be very boring if it was like, well, now you're in this new body, but we're going to have to take a couple of weeks to figure this out. <laughs> Right. Like, let's but I mean, do a the, montage. <laughs> but the, that's the thing is like in the idea that I'm kind of playing with, like that would be a big chunk of it is like mm-hmm. really getting, getting into like how that would work, you know? That'd be cool. I'd read that book. See, that's nerds get it. Nerds get it. Nerds. <laughs> well, so I have not ever uh, had a chance to say congratulations on uh, the bebe. Oh, thanks. Yes. How, how's dad life treating Raphael. you? Raphael. Uh, he's five and a half months now. So coming up on six months, actually more than that. Cause six months is I think next week. Um, dad life is tiring, but also good. It's mm-hmm. so I have a friend here in LA who he has two kids and we went to his house with Raphael for the first time we'd really like gone to see other people mm-hmm. with him. He was maybe like three months old and we took him over there and like hanging out with their kid who was two and their newborn who was at that point like only a month old and like we and tim looks at me and he goes kids yeah they're the best and i was like are they i don't understand <laughs> like why people say that he just shouts at me and like poops and pees on me and like i have to Uh, like and my wife has to wake up every two hours to feed him and it's just like very stressful but then one day he's sleeping in his bassinet next to the bed and i go to wake him up and he looks at me and he smiled and i died Mm -hmm. and i was like got it tim understood like message received Mm -hmm. you know at first they're newborns and they're they're cute and they shout a lot and whatever and like my Apple Watch was like, you need to leave this environment. It's too noisy. <laughs> oh. Do not be exposed to this for too long. <laughs> too many decibels coming out of that thing. Like, baby. I can't leave. It's my kid. He's shouting. I don't know what to do. 
<laughs> Apple um, Watch. Sorry, sorry, buddy. I got it. Sorry, bud. That's yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Too bad. Um, but now he like he's learning things. He's starting to string sounds together. Um, my mom would go like, and like he would like make his eyes really wide, and then he one day just started doing it. Mm -hmm. and I was like, that's crazy. And then this week he started going. <gasps> Uh, because that's what we would do before we would go <gasps> and so then he started oh, going <gasps> uh -huh. and so it's like he's learning all the time and that is the best like yeah. that i get the like oh wow this is cool uh -huh. to like watch him learn things um it's really really wild uh being a dad is cool i made a whole series on my channel about stuff i was learning to kind of yeah. assuage my own fears um about being a dad made me realize two things one i should probably write a book about dad stuff from a science perspective because there really mm -hmm. aren't good like general audience books on that <laughs> they're all like dude you're gonna be a dad don't worry you're still cool kind of like books and i hate that oh. um like i like it makes me feel gross uh, uh but that's like a lot of dad related books meanwhile mom books are like here's how to grow while also being a mom here's how to be a mom and be a good mom here's how to like learn this here's how to be an emotionally sensitive mom here's how to do that. like there are a so, whole gamut yeah so and the then, mom books are actually helpful and the dad books are more like you're still cool yeah you're okay dude yeah you'll be fine and it's like we don't need that book i would like to know how i can be a good emotionally open like dad i don't want to pass on my traumas to my kid can you tell mm. me about that no mm. you're just gonna make mm. me feel cool and tell me it's cool to still wear t-shirts like that's not helpful yeah um so i feel like i need to just start putting my thoughts down on paper and see if we can make Get a book that useful. uh tells you how to pick the right new balance shoes and yeah exactly tuck your t-shirt into your shorts and... right yep <laughs> i i have not i don't own any new balance yet you know, I've got to find the right pair and I don't mow the lawn, so they'll never turn green. So I'm going to have to like, <laughs> borrow someone's lawnmower just to uh, get them. Speaking of lawnmower, my lawn guy just showed up. So there might be some noise for you and everybody else. Sorry. I'm trying to think. Can I hear it? No, I can't hear it. It's a good microphone. Uh, it might get a little louder. He's not in the backyard yet. And earlier the dogs were running around in here and I didn't hear them at all, but I could see them on the zooms. So, um, I got a little waveform monitor thing here, or a little audio monitor yeah. meter, audio meter. Anyway, it was like going crazy when they were running around. I was like, oh God, this is going to be really loud. So I'm glad you didn't hear it. Maybe it, maybe it wasn't that bad. Yeah, I didn't hear it on my end. Maybe the, the Zoom didn't hear it either. I hope not. Um, <laughs> so I have not had a kid. I have dogs, as you said. Yeah. Um, but that's something I've always thought would, would be really interesting is just kind of seeing that process of them kind of becoming conscious beings, you know, yeah. and, and like taking yeah. in information and learning in that way. And I, and I like what you said about like, um, trying to figure out how to not pass your traumas on to, to your kid. Mm -hmm. Cause like, uh, God, I talk about this all the time. Like, I, I, I really think that mental health is more important than physical health because mental, there are things that I deal with that were handed down by my mom mm -hmm. that were distilled through my grandmother's mm -hmm. issues and stuff like you can see a very linear progression <laughs> they, yeah. not, they might not be the same issues my mom like digested it and turned it into something else but you know she handed it off to me and now i'm doing my thing with it but um mm -hmm. yeah we're, I, all, uh, we're all a product of the way we were raised i right. used to say that even in college 
in my psych classes, we would learn all this stuff, and I distilled it like we YouTube people do. <laughs> distilled it into like we're all a product of our raising. And my friend who was estranged from her parents was like, "No, my parents didn't." And I'm like, "But you're a product of that estrangement. Your yeah. that estrangement affects you in the same way that if you were in the same room with them every day, 24 hours a day, you'd be affected differently. You know, like we are mm -hmm. all a product of how we were raised. And so there's no way to raise someone perfectly. No. And that's something that we, my wife and I tell each other all the time, like, we're going to mess up. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Everybody messes up. There's no perfect anything. But like, that doesn't mean we have to follow that linear passing of like, I don't know, I'm from, I, I have Irish, French, Spanish, you know, we have like a big mix of Americanness, mm -hmm. And some of that is like, there's emotional repression <clears throat> in the men in the United States in general, but like in Irish men in like there are stereotypes that one can one can wield however you like. <laughs> and it's like I would prefer to be more emotionally open with mm -hmm. my kid and have him be able to one of the things I read in the video. Let me preface that with this. Um, there was a study which I might have cut out of the video in the end because it was just too much to get into. But like they put audio recorders on dads and they had them interact with their children for a long period of time. They essentially not like had them. They just like recorded them as they interacted mm -hmm. in their normal environment. And they found that dads with daughters smiled at their daughters more. They encouraged their daughters when they showed their emotion. Like they're, these are infant daughters, not like, you know, teens. It's like mm -hmm. infants. They would treat them differently. And, and then with their male infants, when their male infants would have neutral expressions, they would be they would like be more encouraging, I guess, or something like they would reinforce neutral expressions in boys oh, okay. and emotional yeah. expressions in girls. Gotcha. And so I am very conscious of when I am reinforcing his behaviors now because of thinking of that. It's like I don't want him to be a neutral person. He is a human. He should be mm -hmm. able to show his emotion. And it's like uh, my mom encourage that in me and maybe that's a good or a bad thing i don't know you know i had i'm sure i had troubles because of it because other men didn't appreciate it um mm -hmm. but i don't care what they appreciate i want him to be a full person and so like i don't want him to repress himself um i've seen other dads that are like it's okay to cry and i'm like that is a good example you know mm -hmm. i watched my brother-in-law talk to his kid and his kid was crying and he was like why are you crying and he you know, is like three, so he doesn't have like a real big reason, but he was like, yeah. you know, had a reason. And he was like, it's okay to cry. How mm -hmm. can we make it better? And it's like, he didn't chastise him for crying. He didn't say, oh, don't cry about that. Or like, be a big boy. It's like, you get to the same result if you just want him to feel better and stop crying. You don't have to tell him to stop crying, figure out why he's crying. Mm -hmm. Tell him it's okay. Let's solve the problem. You know, let's figure yeah. it out. I'm not it's a It's okay to have emotions. But... Yeah, but that was that was like not shocking, but just like I it obviously made an impression. Mm -hmm. So I was like, "Wow, yeah. that is awesome! I want to do that." That's cool. Um, so I uh, spent some time on a therapist's couch. Sure. Thank God. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, but at one point, they uh, one of the therapists I was talking to was. Um, can you hear the lawnmower now? Nope. Well, all right. Okay. He's like, well, maybe right you can on your end, but I can't hear it. All right. I'll just keep going then. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, that, talk about shame. Like I have this like inherent shame that mm -hmm. is like, and I didn't know anything about like clinically what that meant or anything, you know? So I read some books about it and, and it was really interesting because it was talking about how like um, parents can, um, I guess, instill that in their kids accidentally by like 
helping them out too much. Like if you're, mm. if you're a kid and you're tying your shoes and the mom's like, I got to get to the store, hurry up. You know, it's like, here, let me just tie that for you. You know, like mm-hmm. in, in yeah. a tiny child that is not fully cooked up here yet is it's, it's like, oh, you think I can't do this? Or it's, it's, it, yeah. it, it instills this sense of like, I'm not good enough because you had to do this for me or something. Um, yeah. That's just, you know, a, a child's interpretation of it. Um, and I, I don't know, I was like reading that and I was like, think about how like that's sort of an unintended consequence of, of, of a parent that was probably trying to help out, trying thinking they were doing the right thing. And I was just like, I don't think there's any way to not screw up a kid. Bingo. You know, all you can yeah. really do is just give them the tools to untie the knots that you've tied later on in their lives. You know, exactly. Yes. Yes. There was, and a- I have applied that toward nothing because I don't have any kids, <laughs> <laughs> but you've, you, you can apply it to yourself and be like, look, they didn't do this on purpose, which is a huge yeah. thing. Yeah. Like, that's a huge part of, yeah. I think, understanding that maybe your parents didn't do it on purpose. I know that like my parents were great. Were they perfect? No, no parents perfect. Yeah. That's yeah. fine. I mean, they, they did their best exactly. and it wasn't perfect, but right. here's, where, here's where we are, you know? Yeah. And it's, and we are a product of that. I think about that kind of stuff all the time, but it's like, there's no, there was a, when we first had Raphael, he was hours old, day, maybe days. And like at that point, um, he needed to eat because he was jaundiced. Um, mm. It just means he has a lot of bilirubin in his body. And to get it out, he has to like eat. So he poops and he poops out the bilirubin. Um, Yummy. And the bilirubin is why they turn yellow. Uh, so it's it wasn't enough to be dangerous, but it was enough that they wanted him to get it out. So we ended yeah. up giving him some some, I think, a bottle, um, which isn't normal or like not normal. There's nothing that's normal with infants. It seems like. <laughs> They're like, ah, oh, they could poop every day, 10 times a day. They could poop once a week. Both are normal. And it's like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> How with that kind of range do you make any plans? Right. Um, and yeah. they could do that one day and the other day switch to the other one. And that's also normal. <laughs> and it's like, well, shit. Like, when do um, I bring him into you? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so the like lactation consultant comes in, the doctor comes in and she's, and he's, she's like, look, if they suck their thumb, if they suck on a pacifier, all of that is normal. That's why they invented orthodontia. It's fine. Like you could fix it later. Just let them do what they need to do to soothe now. And then later we have tools to be able to fix yeah. any of these. Like if they suck their thumb too much and their teeth start to do these weird things, we can fix that. That's no problem. And so it's like that attitude I'd not seen before, but mm-hmm. I really loved. I was just like, we can fix it. We can, you know, you can course correct along the way do what mm-hmm. needs to happen now make sure they're happy and healthy and then course correct later if there's something that it turns out what you were doing doesn't help like we realized even down to like the details that because i'm a nerd but like you're holding him in the same way every time and that that's not bad for him but it's not as good as if you switch it up right like is that because he gets used to it and then he doesn't he like gets it, used to it maybe okay. he only turns his head to the right because that's uh, where the breastfeeding is. Uh-huh. Or like he only turns his head to the right because that's where your bottle is. You need him to turn his head to the left too. Like he might have like a reason in after t- over time, if he doesn't turn his head to the left, it'll stiffen up and like then he needs physical sure. therapy, which you can fix, but it'd be better if you just like mm-hmm. had him kind of, you have to remember as a, a human that even though we're routine based, mm-hmm. you need to switch up those routines and like, oh, I usually burp him on the right shoulder. Sometimes I burp him on the left on purpose, just so he has to turn his head a different direction and like sure. yeah. see the world a little differently. <laughs> Things you never think about. Sure. You have to. I wouldn't have ever thought of that. Yeah. It's weird. 
but it's cool. It's cool. I'm still me. I'm just a different version and never <laughs> go back to being the old version, which is difficult, but also when they smile at you, it kind of makes it better. And he's learning to giggle now, which is awesome. Maybe cool. the best sound ever. <laughs> <laughs> Has it, um, have you kind of stepped away from your channel a little bit to, to focus on that? Yes, I have. I stepped away from the channel after he was born for a while to like be supportive and just be present. And then sure. I made this dad series where I use the words present, engaged, and involved, um, which is stuff that kept coming up in the research of like involved parents do this, present parents do this, like engaged parents do that. And th they're all benefits. Um, so I tried to bring mm -hmm. that up several times in my dad series. Um, and then at the end of the series, I took paternity leave after it posted. To, uh, like I'm, I work for myself. So the paternity leave really just means I'm not making things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, so. I, I took a, basically a little over a month off, most of January and February. So then I made a video uh, a couple weeks ago now, and I'm working on a couple more videos right now, some bigger projects, some smaller ones, just to kind of keep things going. Um, but yeah, I definitely took time off, and I wanted to be explicit about that for the same reasons that we've been talking about. It's mm -hmm. like men don't think about that kind of leave because our society isn't set up to make them think right. about it. And even in this series, like I learned a lot about like, studies done with union members, with people who do have leave, the men are pressured to come back to work. And, uh, you know, it's a, just a very different, we have a very interesting societal setup. And uh, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. And so it's like figuring out the best way to push our society to recognize that is to be open about it and say, I'm taking leave and I'm taking enough leave that it's good for us all. And so I ended up taking like six or eight weeks to just like bond with my kid. And it it's was good. great. It was, it was awesome. Uh, and I would, I almost wish there was more time. And so we have, um, help during the day here now so I can work, but like during the day I still get to see him, which is awesome. You know, mm -hmm. it's not like I go away to an office. Yeah. 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 It is different now because we're all at home and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there anything things. you're working on outside of the channel right now? Yeah, I'm doing, um, I am doing something for, a tax company <laughs> that they needed somebody to co-host their conference oh, okay. uh, called Crush, uh, which is coming up in May, which is going to be cool. It was fun. I learned a lot. Like I said, there's not really much that I don't find interesting. And like as a small business owner, taxes are My apply. God. Yeah. So it was neat to like talk to people that nerd out in the way that we nerd about, out about our stuff. They nerd out about taxes. And so that was kind of cool. Mm -hmm. um, I'm about to start production on a show uh, about kind of, the science of it's like risk taking type stuff like trampolines and parachuting and wingsuiting. And so we're going to do some episodes about that. I don't know where it's going to air yet, but they're going to be cool. We start production on that tomorrow. And cool. then I do Stargazers still, which is a PBS show about uh, naked eye astronomy. Um, so we film three months of those about once a quarter, we shoot them in my garage and we, air them nationwide on PBS. So lots of oh, okay. things outside of YouTube that I do as well, um, which is so fun. Yeah, I didn't know about series, most of those. I'm doing a series for the Franklin Institute out of Philadelphia. Um, we did eight episodes about like historical inventions and how they came to modern ideas like clocks and electricity and like where they came from. But in, in like a historical context with their chief curator based uh -huh. on artifacts they have at the franklin institute which is really oh, that's cool. really cool yeah they have like a, a hollerith tabulating machine 
which I didn't know what that was. So I went and looked it up and it's essentially like they used to do the census by hand, the U S census. And it took them eight years to do the census. So in the constitution, it says we have to count each other every 10 years, but it took eight to do the counting. <laughs> so it's like, it's <laughs> so by the time they got it, it was time to start the next it was time one. to start the next one. Exactly. And they, so fascinating. So Herman Hollerith comes up with this idea where essentially it's a punch card machine, but it was in like the, I can't remember exactly when around the turn of the last century, I think a little before. And it, it's essentially a bunch of dials in a cabinet and they put the punch cards in and it adds one to like, Oh, this is, there's this many people in this house. So we'll add that number. And they like had dials for each answer and they could tabulate all of this stuff. And that is the precursor to a lot of what we use today mm. in computing. So it's like the, one of the many early computers. So I didn't know anything about that, but they used it and it made the census go from years to just like months to tabulate because wow. they don't have to hand count it anymore. It was just, it was a fun series to put together. And that's on Franklin Institute's website. Um, so, you know, I do a lot of those kind of projects outside of YouTube as well, which also makes it tough sometimes to do YouTube all the time because I'm traveling for that or I'm working yeah, on those productions. Yeah. I like to think of my YouTube channel as my full-time side project. It's like always <laughs> there. If that work starts to wane, then I, ha I spin up more YouTube stuff. I'm mm -hmm. trying to make more stuff though because I think it's more, it's just fun to have that creative outlet. Mm -hmm. you know, my, my whole thing is I put out videos weekly. I've been doing that for like seven years and I've got this whole machine around it now. And, um, and it's kind of hard to break off from that to do outside stuff. Um, even if it's just like fun, creative stuff that I want to do. Um, it's, it's, it's always, I'm always struggling with that. Yeah. I don't know that I'll ever get it quite figured out. Uh, I'm trying to do it without like causing a big gap in my, my YouTubing, but that might just have to happen sometime. I mean, I think the fear of having a gap is people are like, well, if I go away, they'll forget about me. And that, doesn't seem to play out in the data that I've seen, mm. you know, people will yeah, be excited. Yeah, because you post pretty irregularly. I do. I don't post regularly at all. I, yeah. I used to. I did for a while. I was posting every week, and then I was posting every couple of weeks, and now I post, like, when I post. I'm, <laughs> yeah. on, the, I'm on the Vsauce schedule now. <laughs> like, <laughs> when it happens, it happens. Yeah. Um, I would like to post more regularly, so I'm actually working with trying to, like, hire some people to help me keep keep things on the rails when I can't. Mm -hmm. um, and that's fun. It's a whole different kind of work. But like, if you go away for a bit, no one, like I learned from the parenting stuff. I thought, okay, the algorithm will ding me more than the, yeah. the audience. But I made these five videos in a row that I released over a week and a half, which is wild. I'm sure they cannibalized each other in some way, but I was mm -hmm. like, I just need to get them out so I can go on parental leave. Came back, made one video. That video is like the second most popular video I've released in a year. And okay. so it's just like, didn't seem to matter. The algorithm hmm. didn't care. The people who watched it didn't care. It told me that my subscribers were more interested, but also it had a really good click-through rate. So it was like, awesome. All, all yeah. like, win, win, win. And I got to take time off and it didn't seem to affect me, my channel at all. So I took one month off actually last April. So it was a year ago. Um, and uh, that's the only time I've ever taken a significant break from YouTube. Um, and it was funny how, again, when I'm in this process of constantly putting out another video, like it took probably three weeks of that month before I could even just adjust to it. 
and just kind of yeah. get myself to be like, I don't have to do anything right now. Like, right. I was constantly like trying to find something to fill my time. It's like, no, I need to just like relax. Just and relax. I, it was, it was so hard to relax. <laughs> you don't have to think about what your next video is going to be or like what, you know, you can email yourself ideas. That's how, that's how mm. I let myself do a little work. It's like, don't check your email, but you can right. email yourself ideas. It'll like, be there. Don't later. go into your pitch document and try and pitch them. Just email a link to yourself. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Do that. Um, and that helped a lot. I also rebuilt my studio during my paternity leave, so maybe I'm not one to talk. It was still yeah, working. yeah, that was something related. else I did last April. It's like, well, it's been the first two weeks just redoing everything over here. Yes. Yeah, because you end up like, I don't know, when you work for yourself and your livelihood is this. You do feel like you have to feed that machine, that monster, all the time. And I say monster not in a negative way, although it is considered has a negative connotation. It's more <laughs> like you're. It's more like feeding a pet. You know, you love it and you want it to keep living, so you have to keep feeding it. <laughs> but it, but it turns out YouTube is more like having a cat that's allowed to go outside. <laughs> like it can go feed itself, mm -hmm. but it will come back. Don't worry. <laughs> like and it can go. You can go away for the weekend. It's not going to die. It'll be fine. <laughs> From time to time, YouTube will leave dead mice on your front porch. And, and they'll be like, oh, yeah. love you. Here's a dead mouse. Don't worry. <laughs> I know this You're is welcome. weird for you. You're welcome. Yeah. I also vomited in your shoes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. We used to have two cats, and they there's still scratches on all of our furniture from when we had them. Aww. Love scratches. I have two kitties. They're the cutest. One's an asshole. And I know, they're two one. puppies. It's fine. I see one right there. Yeah, she Who's always that? wants up on my lap. This is, uh, this is Phoebe. Hi, Phoebe. Most people know Zoe because she's the cult leader of my channel. Oh, okay. There's a, there's a, a small cult around her. Off at a cult meeting right now? So Phoebe Yeah, she's, she's got her parishioners doing Some social work or something. Or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Working in a field somewhere, barking at the door. <laughs> it's like she heard it. She knew what was up. Oh, she's a leaf blew by outside, so she's barking. Okay, yeah, and then, uh, you got to go check it out too. There you go. Okay. That's well, funny. on that note, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I'll go ahead and start trying to wrap this up. I just wanted to say, um, as I roll over my own cord here, um, to anybody listening, uh, you and I met September. I guess yeah. Well, in Puerto when, Rico. When did we go to Puerto Rico? August. August first week. August, of August or last oh, okay. Year. Yeah. I just remember my wife had just gone back to school and she was mad because she couldn't go. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, standard for those listening and wonder why I'm talking about this. Uh, the company that we both have kind of reps in, uh, they do a retreat every year, and this is the only one I've ever been able to go to. Oh my God, she was flipping out. I mean, the stereotype is there's like a mail carrier outside. Well, it's, it's our lawn guy, and she's losing her mind. Love it. Great timing. Great timing. Perfect timing. Anyway, we were both in Puerto Rico, and I got to meet you for the first time. And, uh, you know, I've been following you for years. And so I was kind of, like, excited to get to meet you. And then we, like, kind of became buddies. And, like, I know, I loved we it. connected. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm friends with Trace Dominguez. That's amazing. It's, so It's nerds. I love nerds. 
I mean, it's always nice to be able to talk to somebody. One, you're good at talking to people. So good job oh. on a podcast about conversations. Like, <laughs> I, know, I make it's... it, I make it about conversations because I just, I'm not, I don't want to like structure it. I just want to meet people. I just want to like meet people yeah. that I find interesting and chat, you know? I love that. Cause it's like, sometimes you go on a podcast and people want to talk about, I don't know. I think of like friends who are authors and they're like, they just invited me on to talk about my book. But then we end up talking about all sorts of other cool stuff. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. that's why I've enjoyed this this process because it's just like yeah we just shoot yeah. the shit yeah it's nice and that's basically what we did in puerto rico it was great yeah you were an excellent puerto rico companion because <laughs> we, like, we were we were touring that old fort and you were talking yeah. about what your old days at the the, the museum yeah. yeah oh that was a cool fort too it was yeah. neat to see the toilets and they just like fell out into the ocean <laughs> but you know whatever into the world do. ocean toilet <laughs> yeah yeah, it was great. I'd never yeah. been to Puerto Rico. It was lovely. Same here. But no, I just want to say I uh, I I really enjoyed getting to know you and and meet you. And I was I was wanting to get you on here just to catch up because yeah, we haven't really been, a, been in touch since then. So I know it's been almost a year since we went. And like <sighs> I feel like once Amazing. I had a kid, it, everything kind of yeah. falls by the wayside because it's like they just let you take them home. They're like, well. Here you go. <laughs> Keep this thing alive for uh, the next yep decade or two or four or whatever. And here's Good the luck. bill. Yeah, thanks for yeah. the bill. And, and you're like, but how? What do we? And they're like, we don't do that. We just give you the kid. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> just it's nature. Just uh, you know, yeah. we've been doing instinct, this for a man. long time. Just give them just instinct. Here, you know, everybody else in history has figured it out. You will too. Exactly. And so, but it <laughs> fills up a lot of your time, like surprisingly, yeah, because they yeah. wake up every 45 minutes and they want to eat and they want to play. He's too young to play by himself, really. So he's starting to do that, but it's like, whew, it's a lot. Yeah. But it's also, yeah. like, a, like I said, it's fun, but it, it also means that, like, I have no adult relationships really <laughs> anymore. Like, we went to Korean barbecue and we were like, this is so fun. It was the only thing we did, like, in uh, months. We went out one night. <laughs> do you have family nearby that can kind of like watch yeah no yeah my family's in michigan still in the house i grew up in my parents my brothers live in texas and washington state and then my wife's family is all in new york and brazil so we're okay. spread pretty far from family yeah. but we have lots of friends now and we're making new friends in la we literally met somebody at a park yesterday who was wearing a shirt that said like michigan on it and we were like, oh, hey, where are you from in Michigan? And he's like, oh, you're from Michigan too? And we had like a little conversation. My wife was like, can we get your number? <laughs> and it's like <laughs> having a kid and being a married couple, it's sort of like you have to date other married couples. Oh. You're just like, oh, do you have a kid? And you're also married and you live in this neighborhood? Let's, we're going to have to, yeah. we're having a play date. And I used to think play date meant kids are playing together. But it really means excuse <laughs> for adults to hang out while with kids. Uh, it's very weird. They're the only ones that get it. Yeah, probably. It's very, very odd. I mean, I we still have single friends. Which I'm trying to not be that person who's like, "Oh, you're unmarried. We can't spend time together. <laughs> you're crazy. Going to the club." Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, no, we're not. I don't want to do that. But it is tougher because it's like somebody who's doesn't have a kid. It's harder to explain. Like, I can't make a plan for two weeks from now because yeah. I don't know what the kid's mood is going to be but i also have to make a plan for two weeks from now it just has to have that like linchpin of if the kid's in a bad mood the plan doesn't happen you know yeah, yeah. it makes it real weird subject to change all plans are tentative until confirmed on the day 
<laughs> so again, not having had a kid, but you know, you know, we've had a couple of different puppies. I mean, they were puppies when we got them. And uh, it's, I mean, I, that's the closest thing I can imagine to it. Cause like they, they can't mm -hmm. go more than two hours before you got to let them outside or else mm -hmm. you have an accident to clean up. And, and it's just like, you, you have to be in the same room with them all the time. Mm -hmm. Now that passes in probably, I don't know, nine months or so, but uh, yeah, it's not the closest unusual. I can get to it. I feel like there's very similar kind of experiences mm. between, or I've never had dogs. We always, I would take care of dogs growing up and like had friends with dogs, but we never had dogs. And like, that's similar how I thought of like having a kid was mm. like having a dog where you're just, you have to be present there. You know, I always thought cat, having cats is like having roommates. Uh, sometimes a roommate wants to chill out with you and watch mm. a movie. Sometimes they want to go hang out by themselves. Both are cool having dogs is like having a toddler all the time. You have to like watch them do th things with them. They can play by themselves, but they don't always, you know, yeah. you have to be there um, for them. So it's like, that's it. There is definitely an analog there for sure. Well, the, the one that was on my lap a second ago, she's, um, uh, she turned one in December. So she's in 1.1 year, four months, whatever. Anyway, we're just now getting to where we feel like we can leave the house and not worry about something getting torn up or destroyed, you know? Yeah. And even still, I, I, I get, I start to feel weird if I'm out of the house for too long with them home, you know, and hopefully that will go away soon. Cause I don't like feeling that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's tough. Uh, luckily with a toddler. Well, in this case with a several month old, <clears throat> We can't even leave the house without taking him with us. Right. We, yeah. Now I'm the dad with the strap, the guy, the baby strapped to my front. We put a blanket under his butt so he's tall enough and he like looks around yeah. and he's like happy as a clam. But I, I don't even know what I'm going to do when we can just like leave the house. It's just <laughs> here. You know, that's, we're like a decade from that. Yeah, that's a, that's a way more. But also like at some point, that's weird to think about. Like he's going to be his own person. Yeah. Well, I mean, even with a puppy, you can put it in a crate and True. head out and do something, you know, yeah. like you actually, you can't bring a puppy with you everywhere. Cause if you go to a restaurant, they're like, get that dog out of here. But, yeah, um, true. but, uh, it, yeah, it, I'm not trying to say that having a kid is the same as having a puppy. It's totally, no, different. I don't think anybody, but there's similar skill sets involved. <laughs> like I think, you know, it, it's, it is very similar. I think in some ways, just the, the way that you think about being at home when mm -hmm. I was, when I had no pets, I was single no pets, nothing. I could leave the house for as long as I wanted. I could come back whenever I wanted. I didn't have to do anything when I got home except for go to bed. You know, yeah. I didn't have any plants to water. I didn't have anything that needed my <laughs> needed food from me or or like needed me to clean up something after it. I would just come home and go to sleep. And so, like having a pet in general, you've already started that skill path. Some people are like, oh, having plants is like having kids, and it's like, sure, there are similar skill sets in that you have to take care of something or it will die. Um, different, very different from a living animal. Uh, but I just carried around your plant with you everywhere you went. <laughs> if your like, plant was breastfeeding, that would, that would, that's probably the line be, right yeah. there. I think that's like, the line. The, yeah. You just yeah. need those breastfeeding fly traps. That's what <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Venus breast traps. <laughs> I'm sure Somebody makes a, that. there's a fashion thing out there somewhere. <laughs> a, one of the Met Gala years should be biology. That would be Wild. Oh right. I'd love that. It will cool. someday. someday. Probably. Maybe. We'll see. Maybe. Uh well, I think I need to wrap this up. But um yeah. it's always good to see you, man. 
It's so good to see you. Thanks for having me on. If you know, once you start doing repeats, call me back. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll, we'll just be the same one every week. It's like, Trace again? Jeez. Wow, jeez. God. Yeah, we're just talking, shooting the shit again. <laughs> <laughs>